The fighter in D&D is the quintessential tank who survives with thick armor and true grit, but they're also one of the most diverse classes in the game. We'll take a deep dive into what makes the class tick, including how to build one effectively, and discuss the many varied archetypes available on this episode of Crypt of Knowledge. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypt of Knowledge. I am your host, Goose, and as always, I have with me Blake. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing incredible. Goose, how are you? Incredible. That's a new word. I don't think we've used that one yet. <laughs> I, I am doing wonderful. It is a beautiful weekend, and we are having fun recording and creating new content. We are having a lot of brainstorming ideas. Hopefully, some of this comes out, and you guys are looking for this in the future, some, some new things coming from us. Yeah, we got lots of ideas, and we want to share them with you. Yeah, it's kind of what we do. We're idea people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But tonight, while we're here, why don't we talk a little bit about fighters? I think that's a perfect idea. Let's get into it. What What is there to say about the good old fighter? There's a ton. They are the most generic thing in D&D, if you want to start with that. Yeah, it's pretty cookie cutter. Yeah, but, you know, while it may be generic in a broad sense with the subclasses and everything you can play it really does tend to make them different and every person that plays them all their characters can be different because they are right they are generic right everybody knows like well i don't know what i would just play a fighter dude and that's because they can do everything Mm -hmm. they're they're capable of broad strokes and they're capable of laser focus yeah Absolutely. Most diverse character class in D&D. And I believe that wholeheartedly. They can they can be anything. They can use any kind of weapon. If you're not sure what to play, then you absolutely pick the fighter. And play it your way. Yeah. It, it's not even... It's a safe choice, but it's not like, ooh, that's safe. It's... It, there's You can't go wrong with a fighter. Not at all. No. You need a little muscle in every group. So the fighter is able to provide that in a variety of different ways from... Using a sword and board to unarmed fighting, even if you just want to punch people in the face and you don't want to be a monk. Oh, absolutely! It's we talked in one of our previous episodes about how a cleric is traditionally perhaps a staple in most parties. Uh, a fighter is right there next to him. Yeah, a hundred percent. You have the traditional makeup, right? You want a fighter, you want a cleric, you want some type of wizard, and then you know maybe a ranger, something that's DPS, right? Yeah, rogue bard ranger. Yeah, got to have the DPS in there. So that's your typical one. We've seen lots that don't match that, but fighter is still important. Absolutely. And they're all different, all super unique, and you just make them your own. That's why I love fighters. Yeah, fighter was your first class that you played in a group with us, right? It actually was. It was. A little little dwarf named Fury. <laughs> he lived up to his name. He did. He had quite a journey that he went on, too. He has... <laughs> Lots of ways he had his eyes opened as a fighter. Yeah, he's a different person than when he uh, when he joined the the party. <laughs> so why did you choose to play a fighter the first time you played with us? Well, that's a good question. 
when I started that party, I was new. You guys had already been playing for a while in a really well-established setting. The characters, I mean, you guys have been playing like two years, right? Yeah, yeah. So I knew your party makeup, and I want to say there was a monk, a wizard or a warlock, and a cleric. Mm -hmm. You guys needed a fighter, baby. <laughs> True. <laughs> Simple as that. You needed a meat shield. So that was that was really probably the biggest driving factor. And I, I've played fighters before, but I just wanted one of those good old classic two-handed plate mail fighter, dwarf fighter, just stout and mean and just, you know, hankering for a fight 24-7. So that was sort of the inspiration for Fury. Of course, he had a shield, so sure. his, his axe was versatile. And it allowed for me to do, I mean, if, if I need to tank, he's 100% suited for it. And if I needed to, I'm also pretty consistently, probably next to the, surprisingly, beating the monk out on damage, pretty consistently. Yeah. The monk had a lot of range. He could get to places really, really fast. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of his stuff, because it was kind of a, it was a homebrew subclass, so he was a little bit of different as far as the damage makeup, but... You guys both could pump out pretty good a bit of damage, so so that was it was nice to have a little bit of extra damage in the party. Yeah, I, I think fighters just bring something to that party chemistry that you you can't go wrong with them. They're just they they fit in no matter what the group makeup is. If you don't have one, then you you fill an obvious spot. And even if you do already have a fighter, the things that you can specialize in as a fighter can really set you apart. You know, if there's another one in the party. Yeah, you've already got your sword and board in the party, but you don't have a ranger or a rogue. Okay, well, I'm going to drop back and I'm going to be range specialist fighter. I'm going to use my Absolutely. bow all the time. So there's all kinds of ways you can mix and match. An entire party of fighters <laughs> would be a pretty, pretty formidable <laughs> thing. Yeah, I mean, it really would. So why would a normal person, besides us that have good experience <laughs> playing D&D, why would a normal person want to play a fighter? Well, if someone enjoys... Getting right up in the enemy's face and, and having combat in close quarters, hand-to-hand -hand combat, the fighter is it's the easy choice for you. Yeah, if you don't want to have to deal with all those pesky spell slots, this is the way to go. Who needs spell slots? Right? <laughs> Just pull the sword out and the good old clanging of metal. That's what you want to hear. Yep. Every turn that comes up, I roll to attack. <laughs> yep. Easy peasy. And go. it's satisfying. The numbers are big. Yeah, my very first character way back in the 90s was a fighter as well. But back in those days, the rules were a little different. So I rolled up a grappler, and that was oh. his whole deal. So he, he had wrestling moves he did. Wrestling was big in the 90s, right? Attitude era. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so that's what I had was a wrestler, but a fighter nonetheless. So I think it's it's a safe character for just about anybody to start with because you can make it your own but you're not going to be bombarded with 5,000 options every time it's your turn in combat. Even you, obviously, you do have options. It's not like I just roll to attack. I say that, but it's sort of a joke. Mm -hmm. They have a, a multitude of things that they can do each and every turn, and, and even, you know, not just in combat, but in, in really any situation. A, a fighter has a tool for it in their kit. Another reason to play a fighter is at low levels, they are incredibly consistent. It's true. With spellcasters, sort of, they take a couple levels to get going. A fighter is doing what they're going to be doing the whole time. 
Yeah, they get those extra attacks quicker than everybody. You know, they get the action surge. So there are a lot of reasons why they can kind of plateau, I guess. They don't even plateau because you can still get stronger at a higher level fighter. But they reach those higher power levels quicker than just about any other class. Definitely. Because, you know, by the time most of the casters are getting are getting maybe like a fifth or sixth spell slot, you've already got two attacks, maybe a couple feats, you know, under your belt. Like, you're already a well-established fighter at that point, and it's not like you're just getting to the good stuff. You've already had the good stuff. Yeah. Your job is to defend those squishy spellcasters till they can figure out how to drop the big bombs. <laughs> yes. 100%. <laughs> So they come with lots of HP, lots of AC, lots of all that just to do that job. You know, that's why, you know, again, it's another one of those classes where you start out and you can take a little punishment while you're learning the rules of the game. You're not going to wind up dying real easily. You know, one one dagger to the chest and you're dead like a wizard. You can take a few hits. So that, again, is another reason. It helps you learn the game and not be as punishing to you. Oh, I, that's absolutely true. Fighters also... Even at early levels, I want to say third level is when you, you get your martial archetype. You immediately become adept at not just taking damage, but at redirecting enemies. Tanking in general. Tanking is a job. Not every fighter is a tank. Sometimes, and I mean this is another reason to play a fighter, there are rangers and rogues. I think are both good candidates for ranged, uh, you know, archer style characters. But a fighter does it just as well. Mm-hmm. They really do. Plus all of the stuff that already makes a fighter so attractive. They can dip into magic, which, I mean, who doesn't love a little magic every now and then? You know, yeah, a couple spell yeah. slots never hurt anybody. No. So either way you want to go with that, whether you want to keep it long range or you want to get up in somebody's face, you, you've got something for every situation. Yeah, they really are well-rounded. We said already most of first class in D&D. So I, I think if you're on the fence especially early in your career in D&D. If you're on the fence, pick a fighter, play at a few levels, get comfortable with the game, roll up your next character being a barbarian or a wizard or something that's a little more difficult. But this is the, the true quintessential, when you think about dungeon delving and fighting, this is the true class that really gets you introduced to D&D. Yeah, I'll guarantee all your favorite fantasy characters are probably fighters. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch. I mean, Driz, I mean, you know, if you like Driz, he's not really a fighter. So, <laughs> isn't he though? I mean, well, there's some rogue in there somewhere. <laughs> there's a, there's probably he probably multi-class. Yeah, absolutely, he's multi-class. <laughs> yeah, he's got that two-weapon fighting feat, and then he went in to get that sneak attack damage. There you go, hundred <laughs> percent the way to do it. We'll have to talk one of these days about multi-classing. That'll be a whole other thing of its own. Oh yeah, that'll be fun though. We like that. Absolutely. So let's dig in a little deeper and let's talk about what you can do with the fighter and how to build one. So the most important stat starting off, strength, maybe dex if you're going to think about archery or using finesse weapons, but strength is your number one stat. Make sure you pump it. Make sure it's 20 as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And dex too, not just if you're going to have finesse weapons or archery, but also for your armor class. You can take that into consideration. If you've got really good rolls when you're rolling up your ability scores, you know, probably strength number one, and then con probably second. Mm -hmm. But that could also be swapped out for decks, depending on, you know, having a lot of HP is really good, but not being able to be hit at all circumvents that. Yeah, you could go that way. You can get a higher AC with full plate and a shield. 
versus any kind of lower armor that takes into account your dex. So if you're going to go the dex route, I would do archery, obviously, or like you said, finesse weapons, and then you can use your dex. So you got to kind of play it out and plan which way you're going to go. Because dex to me is almost a dump stat, except if you want a high initiative as well. If you want to be the first one to go, you want to think about that too. Lots of ways to think about it, but strength, number one, we all agree, strength is the way to go for first. Then the second one, yeah. Con is important, I think, because it does help you build the strength, but dex can be just as important for the various other reasons we talked about. If you're using ranged weapons or to get a higher initiative. So, you know, the second one's kind of up in the air. We won't we won't debate the first one. Strength has to be no, the first one. That's yeah, a hundred percent. But there are even other possibilities for your second or third stat, depending on what subclass you want to get into. But we'll leave those kind of for people that have played a few times and and kind of understand a little bit better. If you're building it the first time, you want to stick with strength, and then either choose dex or con for whichever way you're going to build the character. Yeah, definitely, probably strength con dex in that order is a safe bet. Regardless. 100%. We don't need smart fighters. Forget that. No. No. Unga bunga. Bonk. That's that's all you need. <laughs> that's it. That's the formula. So let's talk about things that all fighters get before we kind of specify what happens in subclasses. So all fighters have a hit die of 1d10. So you get at starting level 10 plus your con. So you can have normally up to about 14 as a fighter, as you're starting at level one, which isn't a bad. That's pretty good health. It is pretty good. Uh, You know, you can take several hits from monsters at that CR. Yeah, most monsters at that CR are going to max out around six as far as damage they can do to you. So, yeah, you've got a couple of full hits you can take, which is really nice compared to the wizard that's usually four or five HP. Oh, God. Yeah, they don't don't last long (laughs) once they get in the fray at that level. But if you've got plate, you got a, a, a plate and a shield, 20 AC and 14 HP, baby, you're not getting hit anyway. Them yeah. kobolds ain't got but a plus one or a plus two to hit you. <laughs> it's true. It's going to be tough to get through that armor. And they are one of the best hit die in the game. I think the only one better is the Barbarian with the D12. So if you're, uh, yeah. if you're yeah. looking to tank, that's the way to do it. Uh, oh, God. It, it doesn't get any better than... I don't know. Is there another class that rivals the Warriors a tank? Maybe a Paladin? Paladin can get pretty good, especially when you you take into the shields and the holy shields and all the other things they can put on themselves. Yeah. They can do pretty well. So it's all about your build. You know, that, that we, we talked last episode or two episodes ago about the fact that you can even turn, a, you know, wizards and warlocks if you do the right subclasses into kind of, you know, spell swords and those type of things that have decent AC. So... Yeah, I, I think fighter's the easiest and the best way to go about it, but you can you can do so many things with multi-classing and all that. You just never know. No, that's absolutely true. If you are looking to tank, a fighter is the best choice, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. So they all get a certain amount of proficiencies as well. They can use all armors and shields right out of the gate. Don't have to take any feats. Don't have to do any training. You know them all, which is nice. Yeah, and I guess sort of the thing... It- <laughs> I, I said level one with plate mail. I don't know that many rich level ones. <laughs> you could be a very rich heiress <laughs> and come into it, or you could be, you know, uh, knight of the round table. You, you never know the circumstances. But uh, if yeah. you've got a good enough reason to have it, I don't see why you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Backgrounds, baby. Make it rich. Oh, God, yeah. In addition to being able to use all armor and shields uh, right at level one, they're also proficient in simple and martial weapons. So 
pick a weapon. Anything you want. Give me that katana. Ooh, <laughs> katana. That's a good. I don't know. I love hammers. I don't know what the deal is. I just like I like hammers. It's the thud. You know, it's satisfying when you smack Bonk. something with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even great great weapons are fun sometimes. Give me that big halberd. Let me smash people with it. But you can use all kinds. It's a big variety. I mean, hell, you could use use a club if you wanted to at that. It's a real ball Oh, game. yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's Oonga Boonga all day, baby. <laughs> 100%. You know, be that tribal person that came out of nowhere with the one intelligence. <laughs> and let's bonk people. From the Bone Mark tribe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. That's... That's burned into my brain from our campaign. It is. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So fighters also have proficiency on strength and constitution saving throws, which, I mean, strength saves pretty important. Yeah. Con saves, I would argue, probably more important. Somewhere between, well, I guess probably wisdom, con, and dex are the big saving throws. Yeah, they're used in a lot of places. Uh, Dex is is used a lot, but you know, you're not supposed to be the the quickest person on the battlefield, but yeah. you are supposed to be one of the hardiest. So constitution helps there. So they're saving throws, strength and con pretty straightforward. I think every class, pretty much what they're good at as far as their main stats, kind of where they get their saving throws at. So they kind of match up. So makes sense. Yeah. If you're, if you're, I mean, a lot of the times the books are going to tell you what your main stats are and what's most important. But if you're mm-hmm. ever unsure, check and see which which stats you have saving throw proficiencies in. And then absolutely pump those stats to the max as yep. quick as possible. Yep, it's a good way to find out. And on top of that, then you get to pick two skills that you're proficient in. So there's a, a short list of them. There's acrobatics and there's athletics and there's other things like that that pertain to what you would consider an athletic person to be. And you know, survival, animal handling, those are in there as well. So you get to pick two of those skills to be proficient at. And that's that's your starting fighter at level one. And pretty simple, but also very effective. <laughs> very effective. And then on top of that, you get to pick your first fighting style. There are some subclasses that allow you to pick additional fighting styles as well, and you can kind of change stances in the middle of combat if you want to. But your basic one, you pick from archery, which gives you a plus two to your ranged combat. Defense gives you a plus one to your AC, which is pretty nice. Dueling can give you plus two damage when you're only using one weapon. Great weapon fighting lets you re-roll ones and twos. Can never be wrong there. No, that's fantastic. People underestimate how good that is. Oh, yeah. You get that one and two and you get to re-roll it. It feels good. Then protection imposes disadvantage on attacks near you. So if I'm standing within five feet of you and someone attacks you, I can theoretically, flavor-wise, throw my shield in front and cause disadvantage when they're attacking you, which is pretty nice, too. We had a NPC that had that ability that was in one of our first campaigns, so... It's a fun thing to use. And then two weapon fighting. You know, you get your ability modifier added to the damage of your second attack when you're using two weapons. So all good choices. That's pretty valuable too. You know, I I think that because I want to say most, not most classes, but a fair majority of them come with the ability to use two weapons, but you don't always get that, that without that ability modifier, it's kind of bare bones. So having that is, is pretty sweet. Yeah. Everyone can do it. You know, you've got two hands, you can do it. 
are you effective at it though? That's the Eesh. question. That's, fighters yeah. are the ones that are effective. They've trained to do that. And so when you pick your fighting style, that's when you're going to really start to define your specialization. That's what it is, essentially. What do you want your fighter to be really, really good at? And then that's the fighting style that you generally go with. And like he said, some subclasses let you pick more than once. And I'm an old school warrior from World of Warcraft. So being able to change stances is really (laughs) sweet. Yeah, it is. Get in different situations. I mean, you may want to mix in that archer and a sword and board. So you may pull out your archery, switch that stance to get your plus two range, and then go right back to your defense. So you get that one in AC when somebody gets close to you. You can swap back and forth, which is very handy. Yeah, incredibly. They're the most versatile class in Dungeons and Dragons. There you go. Without a doubt. We say that for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) And then to round out level one, you get second wind, which is phenomenal, right? You want to talk about survival? Life saver. So on your turn, you can use a bonus action to regain hit points equal to 1d10, which is your hit die, plus your fighter level. So you could conceivably get back 11 of your possible 14 or so hit points using a bonus action. Now, you can only use it once per short rest, so use it sparingly, but it'll get you through the day. It's one of those great things, though, is that fighters are one of those few classes that really benefit from short rest. So get them in when you can. Take a nap. Little siesta never hurt nobody. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be afraid to take that hour and just say, guys, we got to take a break. Take a knee, everybody. Let's take a knee. Yeah, give me a second. I need a snack. <laughs> but that's a great thing when at level one your cleric maybe has two spell slots and nobody has a healing potion. Yeah. So that really goes a, a very long way. Yeah, you you will be best friends with that cleric when you can turn around and say, no, no. Save your spell slot for somebody else. I got this, bro. <laughs> I'm fine. It's, it's, but, it's but a flesh wound. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> then we get to level two. You've dinged. You've earned your experience. You've made level two. Then you get to be a, a superhero, right? Action surge. Oh, oh yeah. It's a, it's, it's a huge deal. I mean, it, it's essentially, it's probably what fighters are known for. This is why you multi-class and take two levels in fighter and put mm-hmm. your rest of your levels and whatever else you're playing just yep. to get Action Surge. Yep. Action Surge is fantastic. At second level, you are able to take an additional action. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. The possibilities are endless. Yeah, while it might sound good at level two, you're like, okay, I can swing twice. When you get to level five and you get your <laughs> extra attack, then you three swing three times. Then... As you gain additional attacks at 11th and the 20th, you still can double those. So you can go from one attack to two attacks to four attacks Mm -hmm. (laughs) to just continuing to double it up. And it's really nice. You can do a lot of swings when you get to 20th level. Yeah, you you end up being, there's been this trend on the internet where people are trying to say how like that many attacks in six seconds is like unrealistic. And then you've got people like hitting trees with swords really fast. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, and that's the other thing. When you think about it, it's not six seconds per turn. It's six seconds per round. So Mm -hmm. everybody in your party goes in that six seconds. So when you try to look at a battlefield, how chaotic (laughs) that would really be. I had a conversation with another DM just like yesterday or today even maybe where they were asking, should I try to run combat like it should be and have my group message me all their moves 
and I know all my monsters' moves, and then I just give them the narrative at one time. Ooh, and I'm that's like, no. interesting. Yeah, but I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs> that would be horrible. One, it negates anybody that might have real initiative because that's literally part of some people's builds. Don't do that. Don't uh, do that, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give them that advantage that they get because they still will be going. They're not, they're not all going to go at the same second, right? So that's why right. initiative is there. There are minute differences in the speed that people go. So while it sounds cool, trust me, you don't want to do it. It's going to be chaotic for you as a DM, and it's going to be horrible for people that are playing the game for you. Don't do it. But I had that discussion anyway. If it ain't broke, do not fix it. <laughs> yeah, they, they made the game rules this way for a reason. But yeah. Action Surge, it's really cool. <laughs> it's fantastic. You're going to love it. <laughs> Then at third level is when you do get to pick your archetype. And there are so many, so many. And we will go over a few of them. Yes, there's a ton. We'll go over them here kind of toward the end and give you some overviews of them. But this is where you really specialize your class. You become not just a fighter, but an Echo Knight or a Psy Warrior or a Battle Master or whatever you are going to be. This is where you become that. You have graduated college. And you have your degree. Yeah, this is it. You're a doctor now. Dr. Payne. <laughs> and I, I said that earlier, that, that when you pick your fighting style, that was like specializing. It's really the beginning of it. Because yeah. this is gonna this is gonna what's gonna really make you cool. This is gonna be your bread and butter from here on out. Yeah, you thought action surge was cool? Wait till you get some of these things in your in your archetype that you Wait can till do. you see Battle Battlemaster, dude. Battlemaster is <laughs> incredible. There, there's a lot you can do, and Battlemaster is the basic one out of the book. Like that's the first one they throw at you. Like, is it? Go. I thought it was Champion. Oh, you're right. No, it's Champion. But Battlemaster's in the original book too. But yeah, Champion's the one they throw at you first. They're like, boop, here you go. This is this is what everybody wants to be. And I mean, it's good too. Yeah, I don't, it's I don't right. think there's any bad ones. But no, <laughs> some some classes have bad <laughs> Ooh, yeah. bad archetypes. But but Fighter is is pretty well rounded. Agreed. So after you pick your archetype. Then you kind of get into a little bit of the repeating additions that you get. So at 4th, 6th, 8th, 12th, 14th, 16th, and 19th, it's a lot of levels, you increase your ability scores by 2. You can increase one skill by 2 or two skills by 1. Or you can gain a feat at those levels. And we'll be going over feats here in another episode too to kind of explain those early 5th edition nobody took a feat. They were worthless. They were they just were not very good. But they've gotten better. There are other ones out there, and there are even a ton of third-party ones that are out there that really make the game more interesting. So they're worth taking a look at now, but you want to spend those early ones to get your main stat to 20. That's where you want it. Yeah. I didn't even realize that they actually got that many. Yeah. They, they get, get more than everybody else? They do, yes. That's Okay, that's what I figured. It's another one of those fighter perks. It is, because otherwise I think it's it's 4th, 8th, 12th, and 16th. Yeah, like every four. Yeah, every four. But yeah, they get a ton, so they can pump all those stats. But they do that, and it's not really for the stats. They do that because they want you to take the feats. Yeah, and, and feats are underrated. Like you said, in the beginning, most people didn't take them. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen, I haven't, I haven't seen that many people take feats, really at all. They get mostly ignored. But they, yeah. there are some real, there's some sleeper feats in there that mm-hmm. are absolutely killer. And what, Sentinel, I think is one? Yeah, you get the main one, Sentinel, Alert, 
great weapon master is that yeah no, what am i thinking great crossbow? weapon proficiency crossbow, crossbow prof- yeah there's there's the experts for all the different weapons that you can use those help out but the main ones you see are like sentinel and alert uh, those type of things that that really are good you know alert gives you plus five initiative you know so mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that kind of thing but no oh it's polearm polearm mastery oh, there you go that's okay. one of those ones that people between sentinel and polearm mastery those are like almost half to halves yeah they they're good for anybody that's going to be up and close and personal because sentinels that lockdown crowd control stuff where you can just say you're gonna move no you're not stay right there yeah, you're not, you're not going anywhere, pal. <laughs> you little scorpion. Get over here. Get over here. <laughs> That's it, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really all those extra slots are just meant more for you to branch out and, and add those feats to your character so you have those additional abilities. But, I mean, hey, you could just really pump your stats to 20 in a lot of areas. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> be a force to be reckoned with. All the way across the board. Yeah, reach that godhood quick. Yeah, that's what fighters are for, baby. Mm-hmm. So then one of the really big things about fighters is at 5th, 11th, and 20th levels, they gain an extra attack. Each one. So you wind up with three, which is more than all the rest of the classes have, right? Four. You had one. Fifth oh, is right, two. right. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, you actually can't attack until 5th level. <laughs> right? You just have to stare at them and growl. That's yeah. It. <laughs> yeah, so you end up with four. And so that's, you know, with Action Surge, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's eight attacks. That's pretty brutal. It's serious, man. That's a lot That's a lot of damage. Did I kill your big bad in one attack? <laughs> <laughs> Plus what, haste and a couple other things? Like, you can really... Oh, yeah, put haste on it, it. Oh, my gosh. 16. Yeah. <sighs> Fighters can get stupid. Yeah, and people say marshals are underpowered. <laughs> you hook them up with a good support class, they definitely are not. Yes, I mean, yeah, they don't need it, but oh my god, you want to see something supernatural, then that's buff a fighter. I promise it'll pay off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your best friend should be that that druid or that cleric back there who's going to be your, your, your crowd control and your buffer. That's who you need. <laughs> Without a doubt. And then the last one that everybody gets at ninth level is Indomitable. You get to re-roll a saving throw that you fail, which is not bad. It's not terrible, but... Yeah, can't go wrong like, there. No, you know, you got that high con and strength saving throw stuff, but maybe you still fail, so get another shot at it. Why not? Yeah, maybe you have a low wisdom. I mean, uh, you know, what are the chances of that? <laughs> probably probably pretty good, yeah. Yeah, or prob- <laughs> yeah, probably charisma for sure, but... But wisdom, you know how that goes for fighters. If you yeah. guys have ever played a fighter, you know. How that goes. Yeah, I mean, I rolled a nine and an eleven. I got to put them somewhere. Let's let's put them yeah. in the dump stats. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I go intelligence and charisma as my dump stats because you're gonna get a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> I don't know, yes. one, one out of three times. Yeah, you're gonna get a bunch of them. That's very true. And that also helps with perception and things. So, yeah, Wisdom's wisdom's Mm -hmm. not a dump stat, folks. It's not. No. No, it's definitely not. Very important. So that's your fighter in a nutshell. That's what every fighter gets. That's what you can look forward to when you pick a fighter without worrying about the subclasses. But then you got to worry about the subclasses. And you're going to want to worry about them. Yeah. There's some really good ones. Yeah, they're fantastic. And we each have our own favorites. We do. We compiled a little list, so. We absolutely do. <laughs> and 
when you look at it, there were three that came in the original manual. So when it came out, there were there were three, and then they have kind of grown through the different books and everything that have come out. There are ten officials. Then there are two or three additional ones that are either UA or weird canon that aren't in official books. So they kind of kind of are a bunch out there. And then that's not even counting the third party ones. I've seen some really neat third party ones that may or may not be broken. Always remember that when you talk about third party <laughs> folks. They may not be tested very well, but test them at your table. Why not? Yeah, be the guinea pig. It'll be fun regardless. We test lots of broken things that I put together. Oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. That list that, is getting longer all the time. <laughs> you got to fix them somewhere. You got to play test them. Yeah. Yeah, we have one player who, I mean, will find those things and will do it. And that's how they come up. It's, it's pretty great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we'll just start out with a couple, the the main ones that we'll go through here kind of in depth, and then we'll kind of touch on some of the other ones because we could be here all night if we were going in depth oh, with yeah. all of them. So we, oh, we won't do that. But the first one to talk about is the Battlemaster. Pretty neat one. My personal favorite. Yeah. Tell me about it. So the thing about the Battlemaster here is you learn maneuvers. There are 23 maneuvers to choose from. Maneuvers allow you to spend a superiority die to activate the maneuver. And you get more as you level up, but they allow you to do so many different things with your turn, including, not limited to, dealing extra damage, disarming your opponent, taking the spot of another player, another party member, and giving either you or them extra AC. There are all kinds. Repost, disarm, bait and switch. There's a ton of maneuvers, and you only get to pick, I want to say two at the very beginning. I think it's three when you start off with. It might be. And then, then, yeah, as you level up, you get to choose more in most instances, yeah. So the first couple that you get, you are going to want to pick pretty carefully, but you're going to get more. So just, it's it's a long list, read them all, because they all do really cool stuff. Yeah, there's not a bad one in the bunch. And again, this goes, we've talked about it now, about defining your character several times. This, again, will define your character. If you pick the Battlemaster, this is going to dig down even deeper as to what your character can do. Do you want to disarm people? Do you want to use bait and switch to swap ACs with people? Do you want to be a commander and use commander strike on there or commanding presence? What do you want your character to do while they're on that field as a battlemaster, you, you just look at the word battlemaster. I mean, it should tell you you are a master of battle. So, choosing these options that you can spend those superiority die on, which can range from healing yourself by using that superiority die when you roll it to doing more additional damage with whatever you roll on superiority die. So, it's pretty important to choose them carefully. But again, you get to choose more. So, don't be afraid to choose the one you think sounds cool and, and work it out. I wish that they gave you the option to like as you when you gain more that you could maybe switch out your old ones if in case you didn't like one on chance, but I'm sure you could probably work that out with your DM. Yeah, never be afraid to ask your DM for things like that. It, you know, I get it. It's kind of that would be like wizards changing their spells every morning at dawn, that kind of thing. I could see how that works, but yeah, I think it's it's that's that training that you go through to specialize yourself. So they want you to stick with them and then you just gain more. You don't ever worry about losing them. You just gain more as you level up. Yeah. So just be careful when you're picking, picking your maneuvers, but really it's, you can't, you can't go wrong. Goading strike. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's all kinds. And again, with the options you have, this is going to further specialize this character where you're probably not going to see another fighter, Battlemaster fighter, just like you because there's so many options that they can take. Yeah, it, I mean, that's probably a ton of combinations, like, you know, probably in the hundreds. Yeah, it's too late at night for me to do the math to the yeah, nth degree stuff. So, <laughs> nah, but there's a bunch. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton. So they also have an ability called Know Your Enemy. It allows you to learn the stats by observing creatures or people outside of combat. And that allows you to know their armor class and their HP, but only in relation to yours. Yeah, and you can know things like their strength and other stuff like that, or certain types of resistances, I believe you can learn even. So it's a a sort of broad range, but it's not specific. Like, you're not getting down, dirty, minute details. Yeah, is it like pick two from a list of six or something like that? Yeah, and you can find, you know, strength, dex, con, even their class levels. So, I mean, you can dig pretty deep and, and figure out some good information about the, the big bad while he's saying his soliloquy. <laughs> yeah, and it's only outside of combat, but you can spend as long as you need to to do it. So that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, so each time you do it, it takes a minute to learn one thing. So if you've got a big bad rambling for five minutes, then figure out five things. Why not? Spend your time wisely. <laughs> the fighter's like, keep him talking. I gotta, yeah. <laughs> I'm scoping him out. <laughs> It's like tracing the phone line, right? Like, yes. Keep them talking. I'm keep tracing them on the line. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> and then at 15th level, the Battlemaster is able to gain back a superiority die when they roll initiative and they have no die left. So even if you're going into battle empty, you're going to at least have one. Yeah, that's very handy because you will, at certain times, depending on how many battles you've had this day, you will run out and you're still a very effective fighter. But it's always nice to have that little thing in your back pocket that you might need to pull out something fancy. So being able to gain those back is a huge deal. Yeah, it, it keeps you from being so afraid to to spend your resources, you know, because obviously you have a set amount. But even if you run out, I mean, you'll at least, you know, you'll be able to do something cool. Yeah, yeah, you get one of those back, so don't be afraid to use them. And, you know, your table might be different. Some people run four or five combats a day, which is what the book recommends, but... We usually run one or two, so none of you guys are ever afraid to spend your resources. You're pretty used to that. No. I... <laughs> All right, first round, seventh level spell. <laughs> yes. One of these days, that's going to bite you guys in the butt. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Soon, I have a feeling. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> but that's your battle master. Uh, he or she is a master of maneuvers. You've got additional skills that you can use on the battlefield to try to crowd control or save your companions that you have with you, all those different types of things. It's a neat little subclass. Yeah, I I absolutely love the Battlemaster. But then there is also the champion. Goose, what makes a champion special? They're generic. (laughs) This is the first one that comes up on the list. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they actually are pretty neat. So at third level, your weapon attacks score critical hit on a 19 or a 20. So right when you take this archetype, you can crit harder. It's pretty nice. So and then at 15th level, it extends to an 18 as well. So by 15th level, you've got a pretty good, you got a 15% chance that you're going to crit. That's yeah, not that's, bad. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody else is standing back here with a 5% chance, and you're like, no, I got you, bro. Let me, let me swing first. <laughs> 
No, that's that's great because a twenty is a is a crit. You know that, but even if you roll an eighteen or a nineteen, that's a guaranteed hit, and it's going to deal double damage. Yeah, Ooh, the guaranteed hit part can be at fifteenth level. The guaranteed hit is probably better than the extra damage because there can be some big bads that have a pretty high AC. So you want to be able to hit them. Actually, I hadn't thought about that till we just talked about it just now. That's a, that's. <laughs> Wow, that that yep. would go a long way, man. Maybe champion isn't quite as <laughs> yeah. You got that adult dragon you're fighting, or you know the the great ones. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Does an eighteen hit? Oh wait, <laughs> it does now. I'm a champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saves you from rolling that having to roll that twenty six to hit, which can be Oof. quite a stretch for some people. <laughs> so then, at seventh level, the champion can add half of their proficiency bonus to any strength, dexterity, or constitution check that they make that doesn't already have proficiency added to it. Can't go wrong Which there. Is, it's nice, but most of your skills are already going to have that added to it. The ones yeah. you're, you're really trying to do anyway. It's going to help you in really niche situations. Like, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, random things that happen to you. Not anything that your fighter was already going to do because they're good yeah. at it. Yeah, that's the one-offs that you're like, well, nobody else in the party is going to step up and do it. I guess I will, even though I'm not good at it. Then you can help yourself that way. Yeah, I mean, picking locks or something like that, or stealing stuff, slide of hand. It could. Sometimes the rogue's just not able to do it. Yeah, I don't know why the fighter wouldn't just break the door down. Well, that's as bad. Probably be a sh- well, doors have HP. Never mind. Do- doors do have HP. Doors have <laughs> HP. <laughs> Dang those doors! <laughs> so, in addition to gaining that at seventh level. Your running long jump increases by a number of feet equal to your strength modifier, which is probably not a whole lot, but another extra four or five feet. Yeah, I mean, five feet's five feet, man. Could make that, a difference. A, a long jump, you, you were getting close to clearing that 10-foot chasm. Now you're easily crossing that 10-foot chasm, so that's it could work. That's true. Hey, again, the seventh-level stuff for the champion is kind of, eh, it's whatever. But you're scoring crits way more often, so it kind of balances out, right? I would say so. Certainly. And this is one of those archetypes where, you know, 10th level, you're going to get to choose another fighting style, too. So you can go now, and we we talked about before, that mix and match of maybe Archer and using that extra AC when they get up close or whatever you want to do. You can change that stance mid-combat, no problem. Yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. Being being able to to have a, a little bit of an, an option or some versatility in combat, you you know you can't go wrong there. No, not at all. Then they round themselves out at eighteenth with almost another second win type thing where they can regain hit points equal to five plus your con modifier if you have no more than half of your hit points left at the start of each turn. That's so. That's pretty serious. Yeah, and that's just a freebie. It's just like auto regen. Every time if you're below 50%. So, not bad at all. No, it's a good way to stay in the fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10 HP is 10 HP, right? I'll take it. Oh, God, yeah. yeah go, if you don't have a, a 18 or 19 or a 20 at this point, 18th level in your con, then I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be up there by then. Even if you went dex early, you got to get the con up late. <laughs> Yeah, you've got enough of those uh, ability score improvements that it shouldn't matter. Yeah. So that's the champion. They get additional crits, get a little bit of a hardiness with additional heals, and two fighting stances. So I, you know that, as far as the, the basic three that came in the book, I say they're generic, but 
is probably one of the best ones for me just because it's so well-rounded on the way you can play it. Yeah, it's sort of, it's what you think of when you think of a fighter, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever that is you picture in your head, it might, it might be different for everybody, but your your run-of-the-mill standard badass staying in the fight, wading through enemies, probably a champion. Yep, that's the truth. So the third one that came in the original book was the Eldritch Knight, which mixes a little bit of your smack him in the face with your blast him with a fireball, right? Oh yeah, this is your this is your Gandalf. Mm, yeah. This is swinging a sword with a staff in the other hand. This is if, if a spell sword. This is your most basic spell sword. If that's what you want to play, then the Eldritch Knight is absolutely for you. Yeah, there's two ways to play a spell sword. It's to start out as a wizard and try to buff yourself, or to start out as a fighter and pick up some spells. That's the easy way to do it, and that's what the Eldritch Knight does for you. It's fantastic. Now, they only focus on two of the four of the spell schools. They get Abjuration and Evocation. That's the only spells they can pull from. And they can only learn up to 4th level spells, but you can do some pretty powerful things through 4th level spells. Yeah, there's some good stuff in those, those first four spell levels. It's, it's plenty worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So you immediately learn two cantrips and a third at 10th level. So you start out with a few cantrips just to kind of ease your way into the magic at third level. Then you also get to create your bond weapon at third level, which is fantastic because you can't be disarmed. You can't lose the weapon. It's just wonderful to always know you've got that weapon there with you. And it's, it's always handy. Like the guy that sleeps with his sword, you know, he's got it right there all the time. It's not going anywhere. They are best friends. 100%. 100%. It's very handy to have and know you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in combat with it. Yeah, it, you know, old reliable, that sort of thing. And at 7th level, War Magic allows you to cast a cantrip and then make one attack as a bonus action. And at 18th level, you can cast any spell and make a bonus action attack. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> magic and attacking on the same turn, let me have it. Yeah, because that's a pretty hard and fast rule. So anytime you can get around that, uh, you do it. Yeah, most definitely. And and even at 7th level, you know, it's only a cantrip, but there are some decent cantrips that you can cast in those two, you know, schools of magic that do damage. So you're you're going to just add that additional damage to the big swing you're going to take. Yeah, and at 7th level... You know, you've already got two attacks, and, and you're probably doing a fair amount of damage, so any of that little extra, is gonna it's going to add up. Yeah, and this is one of those subclasses that, if, if you know we're going into it, I would almost prep by taking a one-handed, a, a great type of weapon, like a great sword, great axe, halberd, something like that, because they do D12 damage, right? They do mm-hmm. bigger damage. That way, you know you're not going to get quite as many swings, because even on this, when you use that, it's not, even when you have two attacks, I'm pretty sure the way it works is you get the spell and one attack, not yeah. your double attacks. Yeah. So having that additional large damage with the, the large weapons is really the way to go. And then buff it up with feats that do even more damage with your one swing. Then you really got something going. He's <laughs> starting to get pretty scary at that point. Mm-hmm. The, the big black knight standing out there in the middle of the field swinging away and then casting some fire bolts and other things at people. No, and to go hand in hand with that, close more like 18th level, but at 10th level, when you land a weapon attack, 
that creature has disadvantage on saving throws against your spells until the end of your next turn. Kind of works out well together, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. That's auto fails all day long. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty powerful stuff when you start making people have disadvantage. Because you're right, disadvantage isn't auto, but it's pretty close to it. It's a big yeah. negative to have when you're trying to make saves. I'll guarantee that your your spell DC probably isn't that high. Mm-mm. This is one where if you're creating an Eldritch Knight, you need to know up front and pump your intelligence because that's going to be yes. your spell casting. So this is one where you'd want to do strength and then intelligence. Mm-hmm. You have to do it that way just to get that DC up. The warrior scholar, you know? Yeah. That that archetype. It's it's really good. We had someone play it in one of our one-shots recently and... and I think he's gonna. He wants to make that his main character. He was having so much he's, fun. Yeah, he's missing it kind of. He's like, well, I want to stay with my main character to develop it more, but I kind of want to play that one. But so, man, that was fun. Yeah, there may be a switch sometime coming in his future because I enjoyed <laughs> it too. It was it's a fun class to have in in groups. Yeah, it's got lots of little things that it, it tons of synergies with not just itself but with other classes as well. I mean, it rounds out at fifteenth level. You can actually teleport up to 30 feet every time you use your action search. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean you'll talk about just adding on to it. I, I'm going to hit you, cast a spell at you, action search, teleport 30 feet, hit you again, and cast another spell. Why not? That's, I mean, so 30 feet is uh, far enough away to get out of range of a fireball. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you've got your 30 feet of standard movement to go with it, or however much you have at that time, too. So you could move 60 feet in this turn if you needed. So really, if you're not totally set on the Battlemaster, Eldritch Knight's a pretty easy choice. <laughs> yeah, if you're ever stuck on, well, I want to be a wizard, but I also want to fight things, this is an easy way to, to solve that dilemma. Oh, yeah, and feel awesome the entire time. <laughs> yeah, you do feel pretty powerful, don't you? <laughs> so that's the three basic classes or, or subclasses that come in the original D&D book. There are many, many more. Xanathar's Guide added three more. The Arcane Archer, which is kind of like an elven archer who uses magic. So you get kind of the best of the both worlds. The Eldritch Knight gets to smack people and then uses magic. This one kind of creates magical arrows and things as you go through it. So pretty nice. They also added the Cavalier, which just what it sounds is good at mounted combat. There's some other additional things in it that help you just when you're not on a horse. But if you think you're going to be in a campaign where you're going to be on a horse a lot, gosh darn it, this is the way to go. Which I've never been in a campaign that did a bunch of mounted combat, but I could see it being really, really cool. I have run a large-scale combat before where you're part of a large military and there are large skirmishes. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Dynasty Warrior game would oh, be. Oh, ho, ho. So yeah, you kind of roll less. through. and Yeah, right? So there are campaigns out there that do it. It is very specialized, though. You have to know you're going to be able to do that. Or have that conversation with your DM to know that anytime we're traveling or going somewhere, I'm bringing my horse with me so I can <laughs> jump on it, right? <laughs> me and Ru- me and Rusty, dude. I mean, we're- <laughs> everyone else gets off the horse. I'm I'm staying on. Yeah, I'll I'm, see y'all I'm down glued, there. <laughs> glued to the saddle. This is what happens. <laughs> So that one's very specialized, but they also added the Samurai, which you do a lot of things like giving yourself advantage, taking additional attacks above the already additional attacks that you can take. So the Samurai is that quick blades person that you think a Samurai would be. And and again, give me that katana. I'm going to slice some people up. 
all my fellow weebs, they know. They know <laughs> yeah. that the samurai is is the logical choice. Yeah, absolutely. So I have played that one myself, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I don't get to play a lot of characters, but that was one of the first that I was able to roll up when 5th edition and when Xanathar's came out was, was playing that one. I can see that being a ton of fun. Absolutely. And so Tasha's Cauldron added two more. Your favorite. Well, I'm telling you right now, both of my favorites, really, it's flavor-wise especially. So they added the Psy Warrior, which is just like what it sounds. You use telekinetic powers to do more damage. You're, I mean, you're essentially a Jedi. Yeah. I mean, it, that's all there is to it. It's really, really cool. That's not all there is to it. There's a ton to playing a Psy Warrior. <laughs> but, I mean, you're going to feel so cool doing it. Who doesn't want to swing a sword and push people around and, and deal psychic damage? It mm-hmm. doesn't get any better than that. Very and then true. this one, it's a tie. It, it's it's hard because I love the idea of this archetype. They added the rune knight. And they use runes based around the six different giant types. It's specialized, but not in a way like the cavalier is where it's situational. But the rune knight is just its own thing. It's the runes and all that. I mean, they're just a lot of really cool specialized options that your runes can do and that you can use them for. And I think that flavor-wise, it's just a super cool archetype. Yeah, I mean, you can use them to grow bigger. You can use them to move faster. You can do all kinds of things, like I said, based on kind of the the different types of giants. And I've played this one as well, and I Mm -hmm. just, I loved it. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was a a fun little thing. And that was... I can't remember how long ago that was. It's been a while. That was my introduction to it. And I was like, yo. <laughs> that is <laughs> yeah, that dope. was a that was a Halloween two years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, think it was. So, yeah. A little bit ago. But yeah, it was fun. And then the last ones come from your Wild Mount and your Sword Coast books. So each added one additional. The Banneret, which is it was a weird one for me. But I had never heard of that. Yeah, they're the inspirational types. So they're your fighter bard almost. So they, they carry that banner with them, and they're there to to kind of help all the people around them be better at what they do. So they do have some additional things that help themselves, but most everything they're doing is to inspire everyone else around them. So, you know, they're the banner carriers in battle. So Support fighter. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's not bad at all. And then the last one, and, and I know... That came from CR. Everybody loves it. The Echo Knight, which is a Time Knight, basically. It's, I mean, that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing bad you can say about the Echo Knights when they were introduced. And listening to Matt Mercer talk about them, it's one of the the coolest moments I can remember in D and D. Just watching others play, just listening to that knight, and I'm thinking, Gosh, I really hope he comes out with that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he has. It's so fun. Oh, in addition to as far as CR stuff goes, uh, is the gunslinger also right? Is a martial archetype? So it is. It's one that's in there that is unofficial, official kind of. You know, it's not an official book anywhere, and you can use it as kind of like an unorthodoxana, but you can mm. use it anywhere like Adventures League or anything like that. So it's there, and then on top of that, there's a bazillion different third-party things that are out there, old Unearthed Arcanas that never turned into anything that's still out there. Uh, so there's lots of others, but the official ones were the 10 official, and then the unofficial official, yeah, you, you've got that. Yeah. <laughs> that one there as well, but yeah. <laughs> so not official, anyway. 
but tons of options. I mean, literally anything you want to do, any way you want to flavor your fighter, any sort of combat style you want to become the absolute master of, the fighter's got it. Yeah, it's there. It's the easiest class to get into because you're hardy and you can do lots of damage and you don't have a ton of spell lists to keep up with and changing things around. So it really does give you that power feeling, which is what we're playing for. I know Mm -hmm. some people don't say it, but we're all playing for that, that power trip. So it gives you that ability to feel very powerful and to get into the game immediately without having to memorize tons of things. And I think that's why the fighter is the best. Yep. Absolutely agree. Because then later on, you get to diverge from that path, that yeah. cookie cutter type path, and do whatever you want, be whoever you want to be, and have a good time. Yeah. You've played five to ten sessions, and you've got third level now, and you feel like, I got this thing down, I want to go Eldritch Knight, pick up some spells, dig into it. That way you're prepared if you ever want to be a spellcaster in the future. You can you can definitely do that and make the fighter, again, most diverse class, make it your own. Yeah, it's easy to do. You've got all the options right at your fingertips and just whatever feels fun, whatever sounds like a good time. And I promise it will. It will be. So speaking of making it our own, let's talk about our top five. What are your top five archetypes for the fighter? Okay, so my top five. In last place, the Psy Warrior. Really, really cool. Doesn't fit into a ton of scenarios. A a lot of DMs aren't super cool with psionic stuff anyway so i love the idea probably not something that i would try to put in a campaign that i was playing next is the rune knight because dude flavor wise that is just way too cool echo knight because duh (laughs) i mean who does it just like you said like watching that be like described and played is just oh my god so like that's definitely on the two playlist second is going to be the gunslinger because who doesn't like guns Guns in my D&D? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nothing like popping off on little goblins. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's with true. Your, with your pepper box. And then number one for me has got to be the Battlemaster. They can do so much. They are the versatile of the versatile when it comes to fighters. You can do anything you want. And they're good at it. And it's flavor opportunity, role play, damage. I mean, you're you're the jack of all trades and the master of all of them. Yeah, you really are. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Battlemaster, it's called that for a reason. You're the master. Yeah, yeah that it's not uh, it's not doing it justice really. The Battlemaster's yeah. fantastic. Agreed. What are your five? So my list, you've played in a few that I've been able to play in. I tend to play characters that are flavor only. They don't have to be very good <laughs> at what they do. I don't care. I'm just out there to RP and have fun. That's what I do. So when I looked at mine, I thought, which were the most fun for me to play? Some of them are very effective as well, but which ones are the most fun for me to play? And I think number five is the Arcane Archer, just because, you know, I've played Rangers, I've played Rogues, I've played all of that. But to have that innate ability to just say, okay, here's a fire arrow, <laughs> you know, and just be <laughs> really specialized with those arrows, I think is really fun and, and really neat. The Cavalier almost made my list just because... You know, fun, but it's just too specialized. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I couldn't put it in there. It so, looks, it sounds really cool, though. Yeah, in the right campaign, I'd totally be down for it. Totally. <laughs> uh, but next came, uh, number four was the champion. I just think it is so well-rounded. I know it's generic, but if you're talking about just a class that you can feel badass in and you can just 
beat the snot out of everything, that's your guy right there. That's the one you want to play. So champion for me was number four. Uh, coming in at number three is the Echo Knight, just because it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. you and I both agree it's number three on our list. It, it, it's hard to not want to be that time wizard, but still smack things at the same time. You know, it's the Dunamancy, the way Matt has created it, is very different than anything else in D&D, and I love it. I'm, I'm totally there for it. Yep, absolutely agree. Number two for me is the Rune Knight. I just love it. I, when I played it for that one shot, I fell in love with it because of its versatility, because of the different runes and the things you can do. I mean, who doesn't want to just make their character larger and go smack things? Oh, <laughs> you know? everybody wants that. What do you mean? Yeah. You don't need to cast enlarge on me. I got this. I'll just make myself bigger and go smack <laughs> things. Maybe I can fit in the room. Maybe I can't fit in the room. We'll figure it out. So <laughs> I, just, I love the flexibility and the things they can do there. And then the number one for me... I am a sucker for anything Orient, Middle Eastern, whatever the setting is. So give me the samurai. I took fencing in college. I have trained with weapons. I have four sets, complete sets of katanas in this house. (laughs) So yeah, give me the samurai and I will be happy all day long. Very nice. Easy choice, that samurai for you. I I figured that's what it was going to (laughs) be. Yeah, I mean, this again, they may not be the most powerful but I could play thus not out of one and have the best time with a good backstory. I mean, yeah. Samurai Jack, here we come. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's it right it, there. Yeah, <laughs> let's make it dark and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the fighter. Well-rounded, most diverse. Not much you can't do with one. Capable of everything and good at it. Yeah, good at it. That's the that's the important thing. They really are. They they are going to carry you from level one to level twenty, and you will probably never die once. No, it's very unlikely. Especially if you have somebody good in your pocket. You got a pocket cleric. Nah, you are a, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I kind of said it before. It's really funny how willing those clerics are to heal the tank that's keeping everyone else alive, and they can also kind of heal themselves some as well. They don't rely on the cleric all the time. If they only have to pop off and heal you, you know, once every day instead of once every combat, they tend to like you a little better. Oh, yeah. They'll be way more willing to throw you a, a little bless or something here and there to help you out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if you're starting with D&D, this is the class we suggest you go with. It may feel generic, but you really can branch it out and make it your own. And it gives you that small learning curve and the ability to start out with the basics. I smack things. And then it can grow to tons of things as you get higher levels. Yeah. Early on, it's going to hold your hand. And then later on, it's going to rip them training wheels off. And you are, <laughs> you're you're going to Sparta kick everything down a well. Oh, yes. That would be great. I'm surprised that hasn't happened in any of our campaigns yet. I am too. Sort of. No, y'all <laughs> threw somebody off a mountain before I Well, joined. yeah. That's true. <laughs> I guess it did happen. I had forgotten about it until you said that. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten to. (laughs) Tried to forget anyway. (sighs) But we appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, We do this for the love of it, but we also love getting feedback from you. So 
Tell us what class you would love us to do a deep dive in next for you. What are those classes that you're you're just trying to learn and get better at so we can give you some advice on it? You can always send us messages on our social or post on all of our things we post on socials. All of it is at D&D Crypt Podcast. You can go to our website too. Leave us a note there. We have a section. It's just cryptoknowledge.com. So we'd love any feedback also on all of the podcast places you listen to, whether it's Apple, Google, wherever you're at, give us a review. It helps. It helps other people find us. And that's what we're looking for is to help everyone who's trying to learn this wonderful game. Couldn't have said any better myself. So next week, we are going to dive in to the martial classes. We gave a broad overview of what a spellcaster is, Mm -hmm. but now I bet you want to know what a martial class is, right? Yeah, and we'll actually finally touch on that age-old debate of Spellcaster versus Marshall. Mm, who will win the epic showdown for the ages? It's a, it's a, it's a pretty heated topic, so I, I'm very excited to get into it. I am too, and we will talk about it next time on The Crypt of Knowledge. Good night, guys. Good night.